Well, good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you guys for being part of today. What a beautiful day it is. And you're here. My name is Paul. I am one of the pastors here and uh, love having seen you guys uh, all be part of today. Really want to encourage you to stick around um, after the service for the baptism. Um, it's just going to take just a few moments outside. It is a, a uh, couple that have, have uh, said, man, we're committing our lives to Christ and we want everyone to know that this is who we are now. And so it's, 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 they've got a good story, but they'll be there. And um, so please uh, join, join with them in, in, in that. When I was a kid, um, I used to sit in church and I'd hear the same story about, uh, from different speakers about the tightrope walker that would walk across Niagara Falls. You ever heard that one, the, the, you know, the typewriter walker, the guys? And, and it goes like this. Back in the 1920s, there was a, a, a daredevil tightrope walker, and his name was Blondin. And, and um, he did a big stunt. It was publicized well. He stretched a, a big wire across Niagara Falls. And, and since TV hadn't been invented yet, people got interested in that kind of stuff because they didn't have things like The Bachelor or The Kardashians to watch, and so they decided to come out to watch this guy go across Niagara Falls on a, a tightrope. And he got up on the wire, and, and he had the, you know, the, big, the big pole, and you know, the, 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 everyone just got hushed quiet, you know, it was dead quiet as he, as he, as he took this thing, and he, and he, and he walked across you know, the, 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 the tightrope like this. And he got to the end, and everyone applauded, and you know what he did? He walked backwards across this thing. And then when he got, whoops, I can't even watch. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to trust me. Um, and, then, and then he did it blindfolded frontwards and blindfolded backwards. And then he did it so he got in the middle and he started doing stunts like he did somersaults forwards and, and backwards. And everyone's just going nuts. And then he, he comes back and he takes a wheelbarrow and he loads it with 200 pounds of bricks. And he, and he takes it and sure enough, and he takes it. All the way across the tightrope, he turns around and, and he, he, he walks back again. And then, and then everyone's going, the crowd's just going, wow, you know, everyone, everyone going nuts on that kind of stuff. And, and, and then he would say, how many of you think I can do this with a person in the wheelbarrow? You know, and of course, everyone raised their hand, you know, everyone was excited about that. And, and then he said, okay, who wants to what? <laughs> who wants to go first? On this one. And, and, and what would happen is, is, is I'd be listening to this, you know, I was like, ah, oh, that was a great story. And the pastor or the speaker would, would, would always talk about faith. And he said, that's the way it is with faith in God. You have to have that kind of faith to step into that wheelbarrow and, and go across Niagara Falls. Do you have that kind of faith to trust somebody like that to go across? And have you ever heard that one before? And, 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 and everyone would say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, would I go across a wheelbarrow with that guy? And you know what my response was? No, 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 no. Nah, nah. I'd never get into that wheelbarrow because I'm thinking about all the things that could happen while I'm on it, you know? What if the guy sneezed, you know? Or what if he got an itch, you know? Or what if I started talking and he thought I was just an annoying person and decided to do this kind of, of a thing? You know, there's lots of things that could go on on that, on that wheelbarrow. And, and if I'm going to trust something or someone with something like my life, I really need to know that a bunch of things about them. I need to know not only do they have the skills for it, but I need to know that they are trustworthy, and I need to know that they are committed to me. 
Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And that's almost like a wheelbarrow type thing. Only we're not in the hands of some stunt man on a tightrope. We would be in the hands of the living God. But it is just that kind of trust that I want to spend a few minutes talking about this morning. Would you, would you pray with me, please? So, Father, thank you for um, these moments we have now and give me the right words to share in Jesus' name. Amen. Our series is questions I have for God, because we have them. I mean, we have them. All of us come in to life with questions about God, and even sometimes circumstances, you know, kind of cause us to alter the questions we would have. For instance, one of the questions we would have about God is, how, how big are you, God, really? I mean, how big are you? Because that involves really a lot of my, my trust issues. How big are you, God? And we looked at that God, God calls the stars out in the universe, the billions of stars out, and he knows them by name, and he knows exactly where each one goes. What kind of God are you? God, what kind of a God are you? If you're like that big, huge thing out there, and he says, you, you know what I'm like? You can call me Father. That's the kind of God I am to you. You can call me Father. Well, God, um, do you really know what I'm going through? Do you really know what not only am I experiencing now, but do you really know what I've done in my life? And we've said this phrase, and I hope you always remember this one. The one who knows you the best, that would be God. The one who knows you the best, remember, loves you the most. He knows you the best. God knows you the best. But he's the one who loves you the most. And, and today, I want to talk about how much, God, can I really trust you? I mean, how much trust can I really place in, in you? And, and, and a follow-up with that, what does it look like when I do? You know, what does it really look like when I do trust you? In all of this. Now the Bible says this. Know therefore that the Lord your God, your God is God. He is the faithful God. And there's that word. He is the faithful God. Keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. He uses the word faithful. He is the faithful God. And I, and I like that. I just, I just like that phrase. Now, now we use the term faithful a lot. You know, we'll talk about a faithful friend. You know, you have a faithful friend. You know, this person is faithful. I have a faithful friend. We talk about sometimes our pets being faithful. We ever hear, I have a faithful cat? No, you never hear faithful cat. Why? Because cats can't be faithful, and there's my full point. We talk about our faithful what? Our faithful dog, right? We have a dog. Because faithful has that sense of connection. Faithful is a lot more than reliable. Okay, there's a lot more than reliability. My lawnmower is reliable, but I would not call my lawnmower faithful. Okay, faithful has in it a sense of relationship, of commitment, back and forth. Relationship and commitment are involved in that. It's something or somebody that I'm worthy, that, that's worthy of me placing my trust in that kind of a person. And here's where we are on what I would simply say kind of holy ground in this whole thing. We see a God who's in our universe who is above and beyond time. Our creator who says, I will be faithful to you. I will be faithful to you. The Bible says, your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies, meaning it's unlimited. Your faithfulness to us. Wild story in, in the book of Genesis, Genesis 15. Abraham is interacting 
with God. And God makes a promise to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will make your descendants, you know, as vast as the stars in the sky. Now, now he makes this promise, and there's going to be a kind of a, a, a commitment service that goes on with that. Now, in, in, our, in our day, if, you, if you've ever signed a contract or um, a lease or a, or a deal or anything like that, um, um, there are certain things you need to go through, okay, a promissory note and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes you have to get notaries involved or witnesses involved. Lawyers sometimes get involved in all this kind of stuff. And when you put together a contract, you know, there's, there's, there's a place for two signatures, there is a place for your signature, and there's a place for the other party's signature. Many of you have done that. You all done it. You kind of all know how, how it works. It means that both of you are putting your name down on to say that this thing is going to happen. Now, back then, they didn't have contracts like that. They had kind of a weird ritual, and it was, it was kind of odd. What they would do is, is they would take, and it's an old, old custom, they would take the two parties that are making a deal, selling land or buying land or whatever else, they would take animals, a couple of animals, and they would actually sacrifice them and split them in half, cut them in half, and they'd put one side on this side and one side on that side, and they'd be maybe with a, with a, with a cow here, and, you know, well, half a cow here and half a cow there and then half a goat here and half a goat there and half a sheep here and half a sheep there. And, and what they would do is they would then together, as they make their commitment, they would, they would walk between the, the animal carcasses. That's what they would do. They would do it at that point in time. Now, no one's exactly sure why. They think it might be should one of us break the commitment or one of us break the contract, then maybe we become like these animals and split us in half. I'm not quite sure what it meant. But that's the way you, you did it. You both had to walk through between the thing, and then it was a ratified, certified, verified contract. That's the way it works. And so God makes this promise to Abraham. And so he says, okay, get, get everything ready for this contract, okay? Because, and so Abraham gets the animals, and he cuts them in half, and he puts them on, on each side. And now he's thinking, okay, God's made this promise. What's my part? in this promise. You know, God said, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and all this kind of stuff. What's my part in this one? And so he's kind of waiting for God to show up so they can walk through together, okay? And the story, again, as it's in Genesis 15, he's waiting there, and he's waiting, and he's waiting, and he's waiting, and, and finally he dozes off, you know, he's waiting for so long, he falls asleep. And in, in his sleep, he has a vision or a dream where he wakes up and he sees this thing. But he can't participate because he's kind of asleep, kind of in his dream state. And he, what he sees is God in the appearance of like a flaming torch passing through between the animals. And you're thinking, say, what? You know, what is that all about? What it is is that's a flaming torch that passes through the animals alone. Now, that bit is to, to help us grasp something, that God's promise made to Abraham did not involve Abraham as part of the deal. God's saying, I'm making a promise, and I'm making this on my own. All of a sudden, a conditional contract, a conditional promise becomes a what? An unconditional, meaning Abraham doesn't have to be part of this anymore. God said, if I promised it, I will do it doesn't matter what you do, Abraham. I will make an unconditional contract with you. So um, they pull this thing. This thing happens because it reveals his faithfulness. It reveals God's faithfulness that it doesn't depend upon Abraham, but on God. There's a great verse that says this. If we are faithless, 
he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And that means every promise God makes will be faithful because he cannot deny who he is as God. So what does that look like in, in, in my life? Okay, we got this. You know, we got the kind of, I know some of you are still freaking out about the animals split in half and all that. I get that. So just pull that aside because that's the way they did it then. We have a faithful God who says, I will make promises and my promises are based on who I am, not on who you are. So what does that look like in my life, in my real life? Well, I can trust him because that's what faithfulness produces. I can trust him when I make a mess out of my life when I am making a mess out of my life. Um, you ever have days you're just in a bad mood? Any of you guys just, just, you just wake up, you're in a bad mood? You know, you, you, ever, you ever do that? For my day, it's, it's pretty regular. It's Monday, Monday, okay? It's because I've spent time with you guys all Sunday. Like, you know, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Actually, there's a little bit of adrenaline crash on Monday for me, and so Monday is my day off, and it's, it's, I'm not always in the, in the best mood, which is a good thing, you know, because my wife works on Mondays. But anyway, so she goes away. And, 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 and I was doing something in the, in the house, and um, the phone rings, and we have a landline, and so, so um, I couldn't get it in time, and I hear the, the recorder pick it up. I don't know if you guys still do that, but I hear the recorder pick up, and it was our bank, and, and it was our bank's fraud protection unit. Now, I don't know about you, but man, when I hear fraud protection unit, I'm thinking this is serious stuff. I'm thinking FBI, I'm thinking Mission Impossible, I'm thinking Tom Cruise is involved in this somehow, the Cayman Islands, wire transfers, all this kind of stuff. And it gives me a number to call back, and so I, I, I call them back, you know, and, <clears throat> and they said, um, um, can we help you? And I said, yeah, I think a foreign government's using my bank account to launder money right now. And they talked me off the ledge from that, and they said, no, we don't think that's it. I said, there seems to be <clears throat> some unique and odd purchases on your debit card. Some very unique and strange and odd purchases on your credit card, and we need to verify those kinds of things. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, my heart's you know beating. You know, what am I on the hook for? You know, jewelry, watches, cars, you know, fly rods, those kinds of things. You know, that I could be having in my life. And so I said, did you did you um, um, this morning uh, spend twenty four dollars and ten cents at the Safeway in Half Moon Bay today? <laughs> and, and and I said, well, yeah, I did, and. and and, and they said, um, did you spend $36.33 at Ace Hardware in Half Moon Bay today? And I said, I did if you won't tell my wife. <laughs> and anyway, they said, well, we just wanted to make sure that these were your particular purchases, you know, and... and, and so I said, okay, and I'm thinking, well, uh, two hours later, I got another call. Another fraud protection unit is calling me, you know, and we go through the same thing all over again, and then, and then another one called in the afternoon, and then they called me here at work the next day, and I said, I'm done. I am done with this, so I, I drive over to, to my bank. Now, I will not give you the name of my bank, but its initials are Wells Fargo, so I just go over there. <laughs> Let's go over to them. <laughs> And, um, you know, it's just one of those times where not only was I in a bad mood on Monday, now I'm on a bad mood on Tuesday, okay? Because I got to take my lunch hour time to go over there and talk to them. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm mad because I have to go there. I'm mad because I have to take time to do it. You know, I'm mad because I can't find a place to park. I'm mad because I now just don't like the way the door opens into the bank. You know, I'm just, <laughs> just give me a reason. I have to wait 15 seconds for somebody to help me. And I'm mad that it takes, you know, all 15 seconds for that. I'm mad that the guy that's helping me, I don't like his time. You know, and I'm just wanting a reasons to justify my grumpiness. 
And I'm thinking, okay, as I'm sitting there, I have a reason to not take the energy to be nice, and I have a reason not to try to be a joy to the people around me, and I have a reason to be mad because I can tell myself now it's good to now spew myself all over everybody else, and I want to get revenge, and I want to put others down, and I want to point out their flaws to make me look better. Do you understand the choices that I made of how I allowed the temptation just to simply not be the person God has called me to be were all over me. I love this verse. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Because a lot of times when we fall into temptation, it's because we think, well, I deserve better than this. Or, or my life is particularly hard at this point in time. Or we will get into the why, the why me component. Why me? The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. God's faithful, there's that word. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so that you can endure. Always there is a way out. Because God is what? Faithful, faithful. Not dependent upon your strength at the moment. It's dependent upon his faithfulness at the time. And that stands for anger and bad moods, gossip, porn, what you look at, alcohol, pills, thoughts, malice, insults, thinking better of yourself than other people, cliques and factions at school, making fun of somebody else. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. will provide that way of escape. He's faithful for that. Never more than you can stand. Second, not only can I trust him about the messes that um, I'm making, but I can trust him when I've made a mess of my life. And you look backwards now and you say, well, what about that crud? If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. I'm glad of that verse. I'm glad of that because it puts us all on equal footing. Not one of us is better than others. Basically, it's saying you're only fooling yourself. You say you never mess up. You say you never unload on your kids. You never talk bad about others. You're only kidding yourself. So let's just be realistic and admit it. But then it says this, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. And this is the reset button in our lives. It's there. You confess it. You go back to God. And I love that term, faithful and just. And those are the two characteristics of God that guarantee forgiveness. In other words, and this is crucial, God says, my forgiveness is based on who I am, Paul, not on who you are. Because it was based on who I am. I mess up again and again and again and again. Now, this all happened through Jesus Christ, and that's why it all centers back to that and what he did on the cross. And he was punished instead of you. And so I kind of made a, a, a little elaboration on that whole split the animals in half and all that kind of a bloody situation in order for the contract to happen and to show you that God walked alone through that for Abraham's promise. You have to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, he died what? Alone. Alone. He walked that thing alone. And yeah, there was blood because blood reveals an awful lot of problem. When you see blood, you realize there's a problem. And when Jesus died on the cross, it was a not a nice thing. But he did it alone. 
saying, my forgiveness now is, remember that word, unconditional? It's not based on what you do, Paul. It's based on what I have done. And I made a promise. I made a promise that if you believe in me, you'll be forgiven because I did this by myself. I did this alone. It was me. I don't have to work for my forgiveness. Now, it's our nature to try and earn it back and try and you know, crowd in and say, well, I'm going to make myself worthy. And, you know, you're, you're not. You're not worthy, and that's okay. Um, no bribing, no begging. You admit your sin as it says. You confess your sin and say, God, I need forgiveness, and he forgives. It's who he is. And I, and I don't care, you know, because I love that verse. I don't care. Say, well, I've done it before. Yeah. Well, I did it before and I confessed and I did it again. Yeah. I did it before and I confessed and I did it again and I confessed and I did it again. Yeah. That's the way it, it is. Done it again and confess. Remember, his forgiveness is based on who he is, not on who you are. And that's cool. That's his faithfulness. Last one is I can trust him when things don't turn out like I've planned. How many times do they? You know, how many times do they? You may be in a situation right now where you're saying, this isn't the way I've planned things. You know, this, this isn't the way if I could write this chapters and stories in my book. This is not the way I would have wanted to look. This is not the skills I would have wanted to have. You know, this isn't the health situation I would have wanted. You know, this isn't it. This is not the way I wanted the story of my life to, to end up. Um, somebody said when we suffer, it's like God has gone away on a very long trip. And he forgot to send a postcard, you know. It's like God's gone away. And so you're saying, I kind of sometimes feel that way. In fact, the psalmist says that. Why, Lord, do you stand so far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And what's weird is suffering can also be the place where many of us will meet God. It says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And again, listen to the faithfulness of God. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What? What? And I, and I, and I, and I, I love the story of David. You know, you go back to a kid and you just remember the famous story of David, one of the most famous stories in the whole Bible, where... where, where um, Goliath is the giant, David's the little shepherd kid, you know, and Goliath can't shut his trap, you know, and he keeps insulting God. And David has had enough, and he says, who's going to take this guy out? Because this guy needs to be taken out, you know. And, and he says, I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll just do it. What the heck? And somebody asks him, you, you know, you're just a kid. You know, you're a kid. You can't, you, you can't, you can't take out this giant. You're not battle-tested. Who are you to do this? Who are you? Who are you to do this? And David was a shepherd, and he remembered again and again one thing. He remembered God's faithfulness, that God is trustworthy, and that he can place his trust in God. He remembers again and again and again and again. And that is so critical for us when we're facing a giant in our life or a problem in our life, or no matter what it is, is to remember if he was faithful then and then and then and then and then and then, he will be faithful now. He will be faithful now. And that's why we hold on to so often times 
Um, we have to hold on to coming here, or we have to hold on to taking the Lord's Supper together, or we have to come hold on to just the continued worship and reading the Bible because it reminds us again and again, this is my faithful God. This is my faithful God. And so David said this, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He said, God did it then, God did it then, God did it then. And if God has done it then, 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 he will do it what? He will do it now. And this is what we have to hold on to tightly as people that are here. And there's something about remembering that's just important. And we can say, he did it then, he did it then. And then we see a cross and said, if he did it then and remembered me and knew me and died for me, he will get me through what I'm going through when? Right now. And that's what faithfulness is all about. That's the faithfulness of God. In fact, the whole message is broken world, faithful God. I, I, I love this. It says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Never forget. That means pain hurts. Pain hurts. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Just, just think of those three words. Dare to hope. I dare to hope. It's like hope is kind of this thing that's floating away, and you grab it back, and you say, no, I'm going to dare to hope. I'm going to dare to hope for the future. Well, how can we do that? How can you have dare to hope in your life? Here it comes. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And now we're not talking about wheelbarrows and tightropes and we're just simply not talking about animals split in two and phone calls from banks. We're talking about your connection with God, your love for God and your experiencing his love for you. His faithful, steadfast, never-ending love. Is this the kind of God that you are trusting? Because sometimes we doubt, and circumstances sometimes scream out in the dark, don't trust, don't trust. But you can. You can trust, trust him all the way through to forgive that person, to love that person, to walk away from that situation that's toxic. You can trust him to do what he's asking you. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I, I, I believe you are a faithful God. You've proven it a billion times a billion. and You continually prove it because that's who you are by nature. And people here, Father they have any doubts may they just simply be swallowed up by your love because you showed the ultimate love in dying for a cross on a cross I'm with you right now take that fear you have or that doubt that you have and just give it to God and say God take it away help me trust in you a living faithful 